This episode of the Getting Smart Podcast is brought to you by Screencastify, a tool made by teachers for teachers that makes it easy to record, edit, and share videos of your computer screen. Educators created over 100 million videos with Screencastify in 2020 alone, and it's likely that some of those videos were created in your district. Contact Screencastify for more information on why they're the premier video solution for educators and to get a custom usage data report on your district's teachers who are already creating with Screencastify. Head to screencastify.com slash getting smart or click the link in the show notes or the blog for this episode. All right, let's get to the show. You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast. I'm Rebecca Middles, and today we're joined by Rebecca Wolf, Vice President of Impact and Improvement at KnowledgeWorks, and Ryan McDonald, Senior Program Associate on the Student-Centered Learning Team at the Council of Chief State School Officers. Rebecca, Ryan, welcome to the Getting Smart Podcast. How did you two meet? I don't know when the exact moment was. I think it was, it would have been the fall of 2015 when the actual, the original educator competencies that uh, we had at CCSSO and uh, then JFF had worked on together. Um, And they had just been released and we were, I think, planning for a big uh, convening to bring stakeholders in together um, to kind of really launch and get the competencies out there. And we worked with, uh, I was part of the job was kind of working and doing all the logistics for that when I first started at the council. Um, and then we had a big snowstorm and almost no one could come. Um, but we were definitely bonded through um, that initial kind of launch of the, the competencies back then. Um, and it was uh, a fun way to start a, a new job at CCSSO. <laughs> it gave Ryan and I a lot of time to get to know each other since <laughs> almost nobody could make it to the meeting. Um, but one of the, the sort of fun parts of why our organizations came together is um, we have been working at Students at the Center, which is the initiative I originally helped found at Jobs for the Future and now moved over to KnowledgeWorks, my current home, um, is we were very focused on the research. So what does it mean to do good teaching and learning? How do students learn? What motivates them? What engages them? And how do we help educators understand that research and policymakers use it? Ryan's organization was focused on the state's. So it was kind of this perfect melding of we were hearing from educators. We love this learner-centered stuff. It's great. We believe the research. What the heck does it look like? And similarly, CCSSO was hearing from state leaders, um, okay, if we wanted to support it, what's the it? What, what, what are we trying to do? What would we create policy around? How would we build standards around this? So it was kind of this perfect moment of, you know, really the, the yin and yang or the puzzle pieces coming together. Um, and then it just so happened that Ryan and I are pretty uh, crackerjack team. So we have worked together now, as he said, since 2015 on this work. Nothing like a good snowstorm to help as well, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, you've told us a little bit about where it started and why, which I appreciate. Could you tell us a little bit more about the actual educator competency work in the sense of like just how you would explain it to people that were interested? Yes. So we do always like to begin a little bit with that origin story of not necessarily that Ryan and I met in a snowstorm, but um, the, the piece that... Really, the reason we created them came from the field. It came from those early adopters, those early innovators who were saying, we need to do education differently to really 
better prepare each and every student for this rapidly changing future. And we don't know what that looks like. And so it was really driven by um, trying to help folks get their handle hands around a more comprehensive sense of just what's the it? Um, what, what does it mean to be a really stellar educator for learner-centered approaches? Um, so to build them, we started with what we know. So we looked at research on good teaching and learning. We looked at all the work that Students at the Center was building around um, theory, evidence, and practice, and research around learner-centered approaches. So we started with that. And then we looked at existing frameworks. So we said, okay, well, what's already out there for good teaching and learning? So we really wanted to kind of build on the shoulders of giants as we were trying to project ourselves towards a more future-focused um, vision. So we then crosswalked something, I think it was 12 in the end, um, different versions of teacher standards. Um, and each time we kind of cast ourselves. And at this point, we had a, a small group of organizations that were working real closely with us. And we kept saying, what's different about this? What's future focused about this? What's truly learner centered about this? And so in each one of those iterations, we would drop some things, we would add something until we came up with this first set of, okay, we think this might be it. But that was only you know six of us representing six or so organizations. So then we kind of brought it out to the field and we've done many, many versions after that of um, iterating the text with um, both online feedback and small focus groups and um, sending out drafts. And so all in all, the current competencies have, I think it's something like 160, 170 different folks who have poked holes in it, torn it apart, put it back together. Um, and we're really proud of that because that's, um, it was so key to building this set to have all of those voices in there. And these are um, now in this current revision that includes students, that includes civil rights leaders, that includes twice the amount of educators and frontline classroom educators than we had before. Um, so really trying to build something that's of the field. Um, so that's kind of where they came from. Um, and a little bit of what's in them um, is they're grouped in kind of four big buckets, which we call domains. And that's a way of just starting to get your handle around the stuff that's, there's a lot there. Um, so the first big bucket um, is the intrapersonal. So what do I need to know? What do I need to reflect on myself in my own practice, in my own mindsets, in my own biases, in order to be the best learner-centered educator I can? The second bucket is interpersonal. So what do I need to do to relate to others? How do I talk to students and pull them into this work? How do I meet with my fellow educators? How do I work with parents and community? Um, the third bucket is cognitive. So what do I need to know in terms of my academic disciplines, in terms of the subject matter? And then what do I need to know as far as developmental stages of the youth in front of me, as far as what their cognitive skills are? And then fourth, um, is the instructional. So what do I need to do? Um, what does the pedagogy look like of learner-centered work? How do I do collaborative group work or instructional um, rounds or uh, project-based inquiries? So those are the four ways that we've kind of grouped the competencies. And I can say more about it, but I'll pause for breath. <laughs> so. 
I appreciate that this represents so much input and has that voice, you know, initiating that voice from teachers is really representative of how you shared that process. It reminds me how a lot of districts would um, thoughtfully build what would sometimes be called portrait of a graduate competencies or a vision. And you're doing that at that level too, with all the things we know to be true. I also, you know, I'm very, I'm familiar with this this um, work that you've done, I just love it. That's why I'm, I'm so excited to have this podcast with you today. I also would note that your educator competencies really are an instructional framework that people could take for their district about how we support and build professional learning for teachers in our system. So I want to say those things because I think people need to know where they could connect. And if it starts to sound like portrait or graduate competencies, but how educators support them or a teaching and learning framework to support the portrait of a graduate. So really honoring that process and wanting people to understand those connections, because I think this is a great work that represents a lot of thinking that people could build off of and add to, but you can talk more about that later. Um, But I really appreciate you sharing that process. I think that really represents the dedication to what you guys believe in. Um, Are there one, you kind of walked us through a little bit of the domains. Um, Would you want to walk us through maybe how they're currently being used? Yeah, um, so um, through the process of doing the updates, we were able to collect a lot of kind of stories around um, where they've been utilized, um, both from the kind of a school level, but for me at the, the Council of Chief State School Officers, really at the state level. Um, in Vermont, they've uh, incorporated the educator competencies into their standards for teaching and leadership uh, preparation programs. They're really trying to get the uh, pre-service work to make sure it's aligned to some of the work they're doing there. Um, in Arkansas, they built their designing uh, for an innovation framework to guide schools seeking designation for uh, schools of innovation. And they needed some way uh, to bring together different sets of research to help schools leaders understand the kinds of artifacts and evidence they needed to collect. Um, and they use the educator competencies uh, served as like a primary um, reference for that uh, for that tool. So we've seen even states really be able to take them uh, and leverage. I know you've done, you guys have been affiliated with some state work where people have done a state portrait or graduate where you could see that these would be really helpful to help teachers build capacity in order to deliver on that, right? Yeah, and we've even seen, I think it was Virginia, they took them as part of uh, their work to build out a profile of other Virginia educators. So we've seen it, uh, different states be able to take that and think through what, what this is great grounding work, what is unique for our situation, can we take from them? Wonderful. You recently updated this. Um, what was the impetus for this? What is different now? Yeah, so for the update, there were really, I think, three major things we wanted to accomplish with the update. First, kind of what I just talked about, we really want to under have a better understanding of how they were being utilized, the original set in the field. You know, we'll hit, we heard anecdotes from different people, emails at conferences, but we wanted to have a better understanding of kind of how they've been utilized uh, across the country already. Second, you know, it had been five years since the original competencies had uh, been released and a lot of change in this kind of uh, personalized learning, student-centered, learner-centered area, and it had been growing. So we wanted to make sure that the tech still uh, 
resonated and do any sort of updates that we needed to do to make sure it reflected the field as it was now, and particularly around equity. I think we wanted to make sure that equity and educational equity was at the forefront of the competencies instead of kind of woven in, I think, at the original, we really, really wanted to bring it up at the, at the forefront uh, for this updated version. And then the third was really figure out ways to organize uh, the competencies to make them more usable for the field. Um, you know, we do have the four domains, but we also have some like theme tags throughout. So if a teacher wanted to focus on a kind of social emotional learning, there are different competencies that are tagged throughout so they can uh, uh, dig into that specifically. So that's a way to kind of make them more usable for the field, but then also develop more tools and other kind of creative ways to think through how to how to take these and kind of allow uh, the field to kind of uh, create their own use for them. So developing some additional tools uh, to support that. Wonderful. I want to highlight one of my favorite, right from the very beginning, one of the domains you referenced, interpersonal competencies. Um, just to play off what, Ryan, you were just sharing, I mean, it starts off by saying effective educators essentially demonstrate a dedication to all learners, especially those historically marginalized and or least served by public higher education, reaching college career and civic readiness. So more than words, putting it into action. What does that look like? How can we support? What are What's the words for what we're expecting of teachers and how can we build capacity and support them with training? Really just putting that right up at the forefront in the very beginning. And Rebecca, one of the things that we tried to do that was something we heard in a lot of these focus groups was we love what you're putting forward and what does it look like? So a big part of what we built into this revision in particular um, is on the, the digital site, there are videos, artifacts, tools, and then we have also built um, our own. So in addition to highlighting folks who have already done the great work in places you can see it or try out. Then we also built some guides, particularly on things like centering equity. So how do you start to have those conversations integrated with the competencies? So how do you make sure that, as Ryan said, it's foregrounded throughout? Um, so that was really important to us. So thanks, thanks for pulling out that one. What's your best hope for how these will be used or how can others get involved with, with this tool and this resource? That's a great question. Um, best hope is hard because that sounds like just one thing. So, we, <laughs> you can uh, say more than one. Yeah, so many, yeah, so many things that we'd love to come out of this, but really, um, they're they're built to be true to form, meaning that um, you can't be a personalized, learner-centered educator if you're not able to personalize and center your own tools and your own practice and your own work. So we really, really tried to do that with this revision. So there are so many different ways to interact with the text, with the tools to use it. So for me, at least my best hope is that somebody finds something in there or everybody finds something in there um, that they can build from, expand their own practice, connect to things that are happening at the school, at the district, because there's so many ways into this tool. It's not a start at point A and end at point Z. And if you deviate anywhere in between, you know, you've screwed up the alphabet. <laughs> it really is enter at many different places, grow practice, and hopefully at the end, um, be doing better work for, for the students in front of you. Um, so just, I just really hope that people use it. I mean, that's that's ultimately for me, but I don't know, Ryan, you might have something more coherent than that to say. 
No, no, absolutely. I mean, I think at the end of the day, the hope is for the field to use it to just continuously build their capacity to do this work. We know it's hard work and uh, we know that um, it takes time uh, to really um, continuously hone your skills around kind of personalized student-centered approaches. Um, and we, whatever way, um, either a state, district, school, individual teachers want to utilize it uh, to fit their needs, I think it's just wonderful. And we've even heard all the different types of stories we've heard from different levels of the, the ecosystem. They've been able to leverage them in their own unique way. And I think it's our hope is just continuously to do that and find ways to, to support them to continuously build their capacity. I will add just one more thing, kind of building building from that. That's, that's slightly more concrete um, for, for what I answered. But um, when we first came out with the educator competencies, we weren't ready to suggest that they be used. In fact, we adamantly said they should not be used in any way that's evaluative or that is going to be punitive to educators. The field is so new, we really want to just be encouraging use. And while I certainly wouldn't say we've gotten to a point that we would want them to be punitive, quite the opposite, um, I do have hope now. I feel like they, and we've seen not just a few, but what we've looked at in our research and as the field has grown and as evidence has grown around these practices, I feel confident in saying that if we were going to build new educator prep systems, new licensure systems, if we were able to really re-envision how we built standards, um, at the very least, I would hope that folks would be looking at this document. Um, and we do know, again, there's a few places, a few districts, a few states that are starting to use them as really leading how they would do that. So ultimately, I think my hope with that would be that we would at least use the competencies more to inform how we're thinking about teaching and learning at a systemic level. Love that you highlighted that. I think it's super important that you also start off by acknowledging how much input teachers and educators had and how you intentionally surfaced those desires of, of good teaching so that they showed up in these competencies. I think it's usually a really good indicator of a tool that has been created or a resource if teachers start asking. Like I could see that I would have preferred as an educator in a competency-based personalized system or as an administrator that these would have spoke to me more, that these would have been more helpful. Um, than the evaluation tool that I might have received or inherited. So when we think about those pieces, um, having teachers ask for that, or maybe even if there's a way that they can pull these in for their personal goals and enhance what they're kind of maybe, I don't want to say stuck with, but maybe having to use, that they could pull some of these competencies in for their goals to get more towards that personalized learning concept. But it could certainly be a helpful way for aspirations that a, a district could grow into this. Um, I love that it's really reflecting what we know to be best for it, for learners and that what would that look like for growth for teachers and that you framed it that way. I appreciate that so much. Um, when we think about, um, well, you've also highlighted that it was intentionally customizable, flexible for local contexts, which I think we've, we've given some examples for that. Um, what do you see is next? For this work, you you pointed out about having it pull in for you know teachers monitoring their growth. Is there any other connections in the future that you would hope would happen, or that you know might happen that you could share? I think one one hope that um, you know this, like I mentioned, one thing that we did want uh, at the start of this was to kind of learn more about. Um, 
uh, where they've been utilized uh, thus far. Um, and one of the tools we did develop was an interactive map um, that actually pinpoints where the competencies have been used um, from a state district school, all other organizations. Um, and that's something that we want to be like a living, breathing thing that's continuously evolving. Um, and so we are encouraging folks that have utilized either this current set or the previous set um, to you know, go to the go to our website um, where the the companies are housed as students at the centerhub.org slash edcomps um, and go and hit the explore button and you'll see the how uh, other uh, district schools and states have utilized that. And if you have a story, we'd love to hear kind of how you use that at your school district name to the list. And so we can continuously see how um, the field is leveraging them and be an opportunity for folks to connect and kind of build off each other um, so that there is a kind of community of uh, individuals and entities that have utilized them and can learn from one another. And they can also form networks, right? They can reach out to people who are using them in similar ways. <laughs> Got it. That's, that is a big part of what we're hoping to continue to build is that uh, collaboration, connection, community, all those great C words. And so that that was really part of our intent in, in building the map rather than just sort of doing a report on, well, where are they being used? But um, so, yeah, we definitely hope to keep kind of building that because that's only as good as the folks who use it, like more, like many things. So the more folks that are adding themselves to the map, the more we are creating community of, of users. Um, one other thing just to, to add to uh, your question, Rebecca, is um, I have the, the privilege of being in an organization that um, en enables the research geek in me to uh, connect directly to um, profound work on both the, the ground level or closer to the ground level in schools with districts and states and then in policy. And so the educator competencies at KnowledgeWorks have a very um, live and active uh, role because as we are starting to work um, in statewide transformation towards personalized competency-based ed, um, they really are the, the backbone in the text of when we get down to that level of um, starting to work with coaches and district leaders and educators, um, we're, we're using them um, frequently. And it's been really, really fun to um, see it not just be, again, kind of an academic exercise of trying to build standards for the field, but then start to really have uh, a home in the states that we're working in. And, you know, we keep, we keep getting nibbles of places where states are interested in thinking about integrating them more into their, their standards or their um, teacher development platforms. So that is certainly something that we would love to keep supporting. Um, and again, it's a great partnership with CCSSO and KnowledgeWorks because we bring um, two really complementary strengths in, in helping states move in that direction. So that's someplace that hopefully we'll keep Keep do keep moving on and keep exploring with with states. And I appreciate the fact that you have that map and it's so transparent that people can see. So we also would encourage folks from what you've shared that have maybe pulled some of this into their work. Still super interesting and compelling information for you to know about, even if you, they didn't pull a lot and they just had a section or a domain that really spoke to the work they were doing. So ways that we could share on that map um, would be helpful to the work. Um, so encouraging others to do that because I know there are a lot of people that look at these and talk about them and have encouraged great conversations for transformation. You mentioned instructional coaches. I would just love to highlight that because I think that's really 
a great tool if you have instructional um, coaches in your in your school or in your district, how helpful these competencies could be in forming conversations and goals that don't feel evaluative, that are really focused on being supportive and, and promoting growth. So appreciate that you called that out as well. One of um, one of my favorite parts of this new revision is that we've built a whole bunch and created a whole bunch of tools. So for instructional coaches, as Rebecca was just saying, we've got self-assessment tools. We've got um, rubrics that are aligned um, to the competencies. So great ways to use them in developmental um, ways as, as educators are trying to deepen and expand their practice. I sure would have loved to have had these about 20 years ago. <laughs> this is just <laughs> such a great resource. And I know it represents a lot of folks that have been in the work for a long time and new thinking that's come to it and research. So uh, such a valuable tool. Where can people find out more? You've listed a, a website. You've What would you point them to as the first go-to spot? So kind of home base for the tool is that that landing spot that Ryan mentioned. So students at the center hub is the place that they're, they're housed. So that's all one word. So students at the center hub.org and then slash edcomps, E-D-C-O-M-P-S. And if you scroll down just a little bit, there's three really pretty boxes. And that's the first start of your interactive journey. So if all you want to do is just download them, that's kind of the box on the left. If you want to start exploring, as Ryan and Rebecca were just talking about this map, head to the Explore button. And if you want to start building your toolkit and your binder and playing around, then go to the Interactive button, because that's where um, one of my very favorite tools is, which is the digitized version of the text. And that's where you can choose if you want to look at just the foundational competencies, or if you're really interested, if you've just come out of, um, hopefully coming out of pandemic year, and you really want to focus on um, upping your game in remote learning, um, there are some, there's a way to search on just remote learning. And then each one of those is where you'll find um, both additional tools, resources, and then um, acknowledging how much we love our wonky terms in education. We even have a digital glossary. So if you just want to kind of click around and play around, head to that interact place. Thank you both. Um, this work is not only important for educators wanting to move to a more learner-centered approach, as we've shared, but it's also a great reminder that we are all learners and that if competencies are important enough of a learning structure for our learners, they are the right frame for adult learning as well. Thank you both, Rebecca Wolf and Ryan McDonald, for joining us today. Thanks for being on the Getting Smart podcast. Another thanks to our podcast sponsor, Screencastify. To learn more about the power of video to engage learners, check out screencastify.com slash getting smart. There's a link in the show notes as well. For the Getting Smart podcast, this is Jessica signing off. <laughs>